Everybody doing well? I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you came to church. I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online for Online Church. I'm thankful that you're watching, and I believe God's ministering to you right where you are. We've been talking about three simple truths for the last two weeks, and we're going to continue on those three simple foundational truths, and I found some amazing things this week in the Word of God that I cannot wait to share with you that I know we're going to minister to you. So what have we found out? Well, we found out, number one, God is with us, right? He's with us. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, what Jesus promised. He promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So what does that mean? Well, that means whatever you're facing in life, you're not facing it alone. So we found out that God is with us. Then we found out God is for us. And then we found out that God is in us. Now, the very first verse we looked at, was Isaiah 41.10, and we're going to put that verse up again, and I want you to notice what it says. The very first sentence is so simple and so powerful. What does it say? It says, fear not, for I'm with you. Wow. Now, I, I could stop right there. Now, I've got a lot of good stuff to give you tonight, uh, but I could stop right there and preach the rest of the evening on that one sentence. It says that you don't have to be afraid because you're not by yourself. Fear not, for I am with you. That so ministers to me, and it so encourages me. Then it says, don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know. I've loved this verse. I've loved it for years. I love all of it, but I love that last sentence where God says, I'm upholding you, Rusty. I'm upholding you with my righteous right hand. So the two simple truths in there are that God is with you and that he's not only with you, but he's willing to help you. Then we went to 1 John 4, 4. Now, we're going King James Version on this. This is old school. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, overcome the world, overcome your trials, because greater is he that is in you. Notice that. Where is he? He's in you, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, this last week, I asked you to do something. I asked you to begin to say to yourself out loud the last half of 1 John 4, 4. What does that mean? Start saying this to yourself each and every day. Greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. Now, let me tell you something, and I said this last week. The word of God and the kingdom of God is full of truth, more truth than we could ever study or understand in a lifetime. That's why we're going to be with God for eternity. But the Holy Spirit will take truth and he will illuminate it in your life for a season. And I believe he's doing that with this truth in our life. So what I'd like to ask you to do, what I'd like to remind you to do is what if every day from right now till December 31st, till the end of 2020, September, October, November, and December, you took this one verse, besides whatever else you're doing, I'm doing all the things that I'm still doing, but I added this verse, and here's what I do. Every single day, I say to myself out loud, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Then I say this simple statement, the greater one dwells on the inside of me. Now, what does that do? Well, it makes your mountain smaller and it makes your God bigger. It starves your doubts and it, excuse me, it, yes, that's right, it starves your doubts and it feeds your faith. 
just by that one simple truth. So every single day I'm saying it. Father, I thank you. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. The greater one dwells on the inside of me. So we have found out that God is with me. God is for me. And God is in me. Then we went to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And I love the simple truth in this verse. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. The Bible says God is light. So it's easy to say that's a reference to God. We have the light of God shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. I love that. All right. Every one of us in this room are a fragile clay jar. It's called your flesh. Right? What, what did God make Adam out of? He made him out of the dust of the earth. He made him out of clay. All right? You and I are from that heritage. We're from that lintage. And so what this scripture says is we're clay. Uh, the King James Version says that we're earthen vessels. Now, ever since I talked about this last week, I've been looking around for clay pots, and I noticed in our backyard, we have a retaining wall in our backyard, and on the kind of the posts of each retaining wall are these uh, kind of reddish-brown clay pots, and some of them have plants in them, some of them have dirt in them. Vicky's used them to put plants in them, and they're clay pots, and if I were to take one of those off, they're about chest high, and if I were to pull one of them off and drop it on the patio, we all know what would happen to it. It would shatter into a thousand pieces. All right, that scripture right there says you and I are fragile clay pots, but we have the treasure of the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And then it said that the power that's in your life, the things that you're able to get through every day, doesn't come from that clay pot. It comes from the Spirit of God on the inside of you. That's First, Second Corinthians 4, 7. Then we went to Romans 8, 11. We read more than this, but I'm just going to give you this as we get into what else I want to show you. It says, but the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Where does he dwell? In you. Now, if you've invited Christ into your life, the scripture says the spirit of God lives in you. So it says this, from the dead, he dwells in you. He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Now, that's an old word for to make alive. He will make alive your mortal body, that clay pot, by his spirit that dwells in you. Now, listen. <clears throat> the greatest miracle God ever did in eternity, was raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, paying for my sin and for your sin. And when that payment was done, God reached down, got a hold of Jesus, and raised him from the dead once and for all, and he's alive forevermore. You and I will be raised from the dead. We will be alive forevermore. Now, we're alive forevermore already on the inside, but we'll be alive forevermore on the outside. Now, listen, that's the greatest miracle God has ever done. It's bigger than creating the heavens. It's bigger than creating the earth. It's bigger than all of that. This morning, I was outside in my backyard before dawn, and I don't know if you were up early, but the moon this morning was 
stunning. It's called the corn moon. Now, it's not the harvest moon. The harvest moon is not till October 1st. This is called the corn moon, and it was a big, bright, beautiful, full moon. Then uh, on the other horizon was the star Venus, and it's super bright right now. And I just stood out in the yard just stunned by the beauty of creation and by the beauty of what God is doing. I, I was just taken, taken away by it. Okay, God raising Jesus from the dead is better than all that. Now, why am I really emphasizing this? Because that verse says right there that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you know what that means? you got resurrection power on the inside of you. The resurrection power of God dwells on the inside of each one of us. And it says that it will quicken or make alive with absolute life. The word for that is zoe, the Greek word. And it means the God kind of life. It means absolute life and that it will make you alive. It energizes this clay pot. It keeps it moving. It keeps the heart pumping. It keeps the blood flowing. Because the moment it leaves, what happens? Well, there's no life left in the clay pot. Now, I said this before, you know, around this room are electrical outlets, and we all know that there's electricity in those outlets, and all you have to do is get an appliance or a computer or some kind of charger, and you can access that power. You just plug into it. And we all know that. Now, we have grandbabies at our house, and we have little plug covers on those outlets because we don't want the grandbabies to get a hold of something and put inside one of those outlets because we know what would it do. Well, it could hurt them. It could shock them. It could damage them. But if you plug something that's supposed to be plugged in and you do what's right, you have access to that power. Now, listen, don't miss this. You have access to the resurrection power of God dwelling on the inside of you. And you can access it anytime you want to. How do I do that, Pastor? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The greater one dwells in me. I meditate on it. I think about it. And I confess it. Father, I thank you. Your resurrection power lives on the inside of me. Wow. Wow. Uh, isn't that amazing? Now, I'm going to go to Colossians 1.26. Colossians 1.26, and I'm going to read two verses, Colossians 1.26 and 27, and I'm going to show you something tonight that's going to bless you and minister to you. Now, let me just read through it. I'll read the verses, and then I'll go back and I'll explain to you what the Holy Spirit showed me. It says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. Now, the King James, the word ages is centuries. Okay, it says the mystery which has been hidden from centuries and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now go back to verse 26. Now, now hang here, hang in here with me, okay? I, I'm, this is going to so bless you and minister to you. Just hang in with me and let me show you something that's amazing. Okay, what does this verse say? Well, this verse says there's a mystery that God has kept hidden since the beginning of time. There's a mystery. 
All right, look what it says. It says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages or centuries and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now stop right there. Okay, the word saint means you. All right, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a saint. Now, I don't know what your religious training or background is. When you hear that word, you may think something totally different than what this says. All right, you may think, no, no, Pastor, I'm no saint. All right, it doesn't mean you're perfect. That's not what it means. It means you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You see, before I found Christ, I was a sinner. So were you, right? Okay, then when I received Christ as my Savior, I became a saint. Did that mean I became perfect? Of course it doesn't mean that. It's not about behavior. It's about position. Now, this also does not mean people who serve God who died centuries ago, and now they're saints. That's not what it means. It means born-again believers. Now, this verse says that God has kept something hidden for centuries, but he has decided by his will to reveal it to his saints or his children or to born-again believers. Now, the second word in this sentence is mystery. Okay, I, you're, this, as I studied this, I've just been blown away by it. The word mystery means to initiate. To be initiated. Let me explain to you what it means. The ancient Greeks had secret societies. And they had like even secret religions and secret cults. Okay. If you wanted to join one of these groups, you had to go through an initiation. Once you went through the initiation, then you became a member of their group. Once you were in their group, then they had hidden wisdom. They had hidden rules. They had hidden things that nobody on the outside knew, and they revealed them to you. Are you with me? Okay, that's what the word mystery means. It means that you join a club, you have to go through an initiation process, and when you get through that initiation process, you're a member of the club, then they share their secret rules with you. Okay, let me show you the next verse. Go to verse 27. It says that God wants to reveal a mystery to you. It says to them, the saints, us, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. We're also Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let me explain it to you. I've been so blown away by this. <clears throat> if you know Jesus as your Savior, you've been through an initiation. And most all initiations take blood. Thank God it didn't take your blood. It took the blood of the Lamb. It took the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, I heard the gospel as a 12-year-old boy, and God gave me a revelation of it, and I told the pastor in our home, I want Jesus to come into my heart, and I want to be a Christian. And I prayed, I believed with my heart, and I confessed with my mouth. You did the same thing, and we invited Jesus into our life. Okay, you went through an initiation when you did that, and the blood of Jesus was applied to your life, applied to your heart. You went from darkness to light, and you became part of the family of God. You became part of the club of God, okay? There are mysteries within the kingdom of God, and they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Listen, every time you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate it, and he wants to show you what's in there. Are you with me? 
And it only belongs to those who've been initiated. It only belongs to those who've been born again. The verse before this says God wanted to reveal it to who? To his saints. Now listen to me. If you know people, you work with people, you go to school with people that are not Christians, the Bible says to them the cross is foolishness. Okay, Vicky's dad's not a Christian. He just had his 90th birthday, and he's not a born-again believer. He doesn't know Christ as his Savior. We've been praying for him ever since we've been married, and we're going to pray for him until he passes away that he'll find Christ as his Savior. But as of tonight, he thinks the cross is foolish. Kurt asked him one time if he wanted to ask Jesus into his heart, and he said, no, I don't need to. Well, we know he needs to, but he doesn't know he needs to. To him, it's foolish. Are you with me? Why is it foolish to him and not to us? Because he hasn't been initiated. Because the mystery of the kingdom has not been revealed to him, and he has not said yes to it like you have. Now, listen. Here's what I want you to see in this that I think is so powerful You and I so take for granted the truth that God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. We take so for granted that we understand that. But the only reason you understand it is because you heard the gospel, the Holy Spirit illuminated it, you said yes to Jesus, you went through an initiation, and the mystery was revealed to you. If you hadn't seen it, you wouldn't be here tonight. If I hadn't seen it, when I sat in my mother's house, if I'd have said, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, some guy dying on a cross. You know what it says in Corinthians? It said the Jews want a sign. You know, when Jesus was alive on the earth, the Jews wanted him to do something, do a miracle, you know, set something on fire, you know, uh, do something supernatural, and that'll prove to us that you're the Son of God. And, of course, he wouldn't do it. Now, he did miracles, but he didn't do it to prove who he was. Then it says the Greeks wanted wisdom. Now, the Greeks were real big on knowledge, and they were real big on wisdom, and they thought that was going to get them into the hereafter. And so it says in Corinthians that to the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, it was foolish. It was stupid. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's so good. You see, you've been through the initiation. You've had the blood applied to your life. And the mystery from the ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible says the angels desire to understand this. Let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve believed the lie of the devil. They eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God shows up and they're cursed and they're they're kicked out of the garden. And here's what God tells the devil. He says, I'm going to send a man from the seed of woman who was Jesus. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus coming through Mary and Jesus dying on the cross and defeating death, hell, and the grave. Are you with me? Okay, from that moment in the Garden of Eden all the way until Jesus died and rose from the dead, which was centuries, they did not understand what you understand tonight. They did not understand. Do you know why? Because the new covenant had not come yet, and they had not been initiated 
you've been initiated into the family. How do you get in the family? You have to be born into it. How do you get born into it? Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. You can't work your way into it. You can't earn your way into it. You can't hope that the Father notices you. Then you get in by your good behavior. You're either born into it or you're not born into it. You're a member of a good family. Amen? You're a, and let me just say this. You're a member of a good family in earth, and you're in a good family in heaven. You've been initiated. And because you've been initiated, would you put up that last verse for me? 27 again. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What's the riches of the glory of the mystery? Here it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, i got to say this one thing, then we're going to move on. I have lost my mind studying this. I have been so excited. I have been so stirred up thinking about how I'm in a private club. And I, I got to go through the initiation, and I'm in a club. And you only get in by blood, and you only get in by birth. And I'm a member, and so are you. And because you're a member and I'm a member, there's mysteries, there's secrets that we have access to that the world does not understand. Now, they can have it anytime they want. All they got to do is say yes. But they choose not to. Listen, do you know what the hope of the kingdom of God is? Do you know what the crux of the kingdom of God is? Do you know what the eye of the hurricane is in the kingdom of God? Do you know what's the throne of thrones and Jesus on the throne? is Christ in you. Listen, when you receive Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God moved in you. Old Testament saints had no idea what. They didn't understand it. The angels didn't understand it, but you do. And you're going to walk out of here and go home and turn on the TV and eat a bowl of Cheerios. And you're thankful that you live in Tulia, Texas. And as you're eating your Cheerios and watching TV, you know God lives on the inside of you. And you only know because he revealed it to you. And it was a supernatural miracle. It is the hope of the kingdom. It's the hope of the glory of God, which is what? Christ in you. Christ in you. It's amazing that we understand that. Now, I'm going to go to another verse. I'm going to go to Galatians 2.20. And this is my last verse, Galatians 2.20. This, is, this may be a familiar verse to some of you. It is to me. I've been crucified with Christ, but it's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, just with the few minutes that I have left, notice what this says. It says when Jesus died on the cross, you did too. Now, you didn't die physically, but you're supposed to die to self. You see, I don't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. He bought and paid for me. So what does that mean? Well, that means he's in charge of my marriage. He's in charge of my money. He's in charge of my car. He's in charge of my kids. He's in charge of my grandkids. And when I do anything with any of those things, since he owns it all, it'd be wise for me to talk to him about it. Hey, Lord, what would you like for me to do here? 
That's called being a good steward. Look at what it says. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I don't live anymore, but it's Christ who lives where? He lives in me. And the life that you and I live now in the flesh, that's our everyday normal life, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Wow. Let me just say it one more time. The mysteries of the kingdom are not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Now, you know, Bebo works at Pantex, and he knows all kinds of crazy things about Pantex that I don't know because he's an insider. He works there. Arthur, my son-in-law, works at Bell Helicopter, and uh, just like Pantex, you can't get in that place. I couldn't just go walk up, walk in the door. They won't let you. And he knows things about that business and things that he does that I don't know anything about. Jason Birkenfeld, Brittany's husband, he's a farmer, and he knows all kinds of things about farming that I have no idea about. And he'll tweet on, on Twitter, and he'll talk about stuff, and I think, what in the world is he talking about? And he understands it, but I don't. Are you with me? Now, every one of you have jobs, and all of you do things. Dion, all of you have jobs, and you, and you understand what you do. But outsiders don't. Listen, you're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. And you have inside information. You have inside knowledge. And every time you read your Bible, God wants to reveal himself to you because you've been initiated into the kingdom. And you know and understand that God dwells on the inside of you. And it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And that is the hope of glory. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's all right there in the book. Amen. Praise God. Y'all stand up and let me pray for you. Man, I get to preach this again Sunday. I better not study anymore. I mean, between then and now, it's like, who knows what will happen. Amen? Hey, here's what I want tonight. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know you're loved. I want you to know you're special. I want you to know you're chosen. I want you to know you're a part of an important, amazing, eternal family and that you've been initiated and you've been invited in. Now listen to me, and I'm being serious. If you've ever been uh, in a situation where you weren't picked, maybe it was for a third-grade baseball team, uh, maybe you weren't picked by a boy or a girl, maybe you weren't picked by a coach, but if you've ever been on the outside looking in, and I'm being as serious as I know how to be, if you've ever felt rejected, if you've ever felt left out, if you've ever felt abandoned, I want you to know God loves you, and you are an insider. And you've been chosen, you are loved, you have been initiated, and God's hand is on your life and on your family, and I want you to be encouraged by that. Let me pray. Father God, thank you. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, I don't want to re-preach what I just preached in prayer. I'm just thankful. Father, I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ, for my church family. I love them, and Father, I feel their love, and I feel their grace and compassion. Father, as we leave this place, I know your hand is on us, and I know you're with us. And that, Father God, we're strengthened and refreshed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for it. Oh, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, hey, I love you. Go and be blessed. Y'all have a great Labor Day weekend.